turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Two Hebrew words, four English words. Thou shalt not. The second part of thought, we are to be our brother's keeper and not our brother's killer. I want to remind us as we study the Ten Commandments that there are several uses of these ten words. Keep in mind as we study the Ten Commandments, there are a revelation of God's nature, of God's attributes. For instance, number one, He's the one and only God. Number three, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. He's a holy God. He's worthy of worship, number four. Number five, He is God of authority. He's over all of us. Right down the line, number six, He's the God who gives us life. Thou shalt not kill. He has the right to give and to take life. So a revelation of God. Secondly, it's a revelation of sin. The Bible says, by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the Ten Commandments are good for us to read, not only to study God's attributes, but also to uh, be heart-searching. We need conviction when we've sinned, and we need to... to, uh, Confess our sins. It's a good thing. Many churches will uh, have the Ten Commandments as part of their regular worship, reading one of the Ten Commandments and, and then having a, a confessional verse and then a comforting verse that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. So a revelation of God, a revelation of sin... It's a revelation of Christ's righteousness. I delight to do Thy will, Thy laws within my heart. The Bible teaches that Christ earned a perfect righteousness to credit to our account. And basically, the Lord kept the whole law. And you know, all these commandments show us categories. Not just, uh, they're not exhaustive in nature. The categories of, of, of protecting our neighbor promoting His life, um, and so on. Number four, it's a revelation of God's will after we're saved. The Ten Commandments were given to a redeemed people. Not to redeem them. They'd already been redeemed. The picture is, here's my will for you. And so, positively, Jesus said, for instance, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And then number five, there may be other uses as well, It's a revelation of the magistrate's duty. Uh, Our magistrates, our town leaders, are elected and and, uh, ordained, appointed leaders are to promote life. They're to to use the sword, for instance, uh, for for, uh, those who've murdered. Uh, They are to free up the town on the Lord's day. It is their responsibility uh, to... uh, keep the Sabbath holy and to facilitate that. So it's, it's a revelation of the magistrate's duty. So those, at least those five, keep in mind. It's not just so often people look at the Ten Commandments as uh, a revelation of sin or as a dark thing 
And sometimes people look at it as, here's my way of, of getting saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. God did not give the Ten Commandments as a way of salvation. He gave them, he gave them remember, to a people who had already been saved from Egypt. They're a revelation of God's will for our lives. So keep those five uses in mind. A revelation of God, a revelation of sin, a revelation of Christ's righteousness, a revelation of God's will for Christians, and really everyone this is, this is incumbent upon, um, and a revelation of the magistrate's duty. Thou shalt do no murder is really what this command is saying. It's given in the prohibition form. It does not forbid all kinds of killing. It in other words, murder is always killing, but killing is not always murder. People ask, what about war? What about uh, capital punishment? What about self-defense? Well, the Bible gives us clear indications that those things are permitted. Just war, not unjust wars. Uh, last week, we, we looked at the prohibition. Thou shalt not murder. And by the way, the New Testament does not just quote this, thou shalt not kill. Um, that can be misleading in the Old and New Testaments. The, the Hebrew word and the Greek word for kill in those contexts is premeditated killing. It's murdering. It's not uh, forbidding, for instance, the killing of animals or in self-defense like you, you heard last week in Indiana in a, in a place where we're supposed to go to a wedding next year in Greenwood, Indiana, there was a a young man that brought his gun and started killing people, murdering people, and some uh, shopper had his concealed carry in his pocket and he put, took it out and he killed the killer. He didn't murder the killer. He killed him. He, in self-defense, of protecting himself, protecting his friend, protecting his neighbor, he was loving his neighbor by pulling out his gun and dropping the murder, or else for sure he would have murdered more than three people. Certainly the man wishes he could have stopped him before he murdered one person. So it forbids murder, and we looked at many of those. Homicide, like Cain murdered his brother. Even Moses and Paul are guilty of homicide. and God forgives murderers. Suicide, we have at least a few in the Bible. King Saul fell upon his own sword. And Ahithophel got his house in order and, 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 uh, and killed himself. Those are suicide. That's a, that, those are also forbidden. All the, the category of murders. Homicide, suicide, euthanasia, the putting to death of the aged. Genocide, like the Jewish Holocaust. Ethnic so-called cleansing. Infanticide, like abortion, is um, forbidden in the Sixth Commandment. We have many verses, for instance, that indicate that uh, infants are precious before the Lord. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee, he said to Jeremiah. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. Many texts. And yet, how the vacuum and the saline solution... Uh, is is a uh, the, the devices of murderers. We need to support organizations like Compass Care 
And uh, we need to do what we can. And that will be part of the precept of this commandment of being our brother's keeper as we anticipate these things. Uh, even, even if there's incest and rape, the child is precious. It's not the child's fault that he came into the world this way. And the mother needs to trust the Lord. This is a life that, that has been ordained and to bring up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What about those with Down syndrome? Well, they are human beings made in the image of God. They are not to be exterminated. I, I salute that college coach that said, courage, we should be, have courage to let the unborn live. And he's going to receive a lot of flack for that. I actually, it actually might make me root for Michigan when I've hated... Well, I haven't hated them. I've never rooted for them in the past. But maybe I will root for them this year. Hatred is, uh, is involved in this Sixth Commandment. The Lord Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are minimalists. They just figured if we don't murder people, then we can hate our enemy. Now, you, you might as well say, well, we can torture our enemy. We can one by one take his digits out with, with, a, with a, uh, a wrench. No. The Lord teaches us from Matthew 5 that, that this commandment uh, is against the, the, the emotions that lead up to murder, like hatred and envy and jealousy. And road rage, for instance. He said you know, to, the, to the Jews... If you call someone Raka or a blockhead or you call someone another name, you're, you're guilty of murdering that person. And what do we do when someone cuts us off uh, on the highway? How often people will use the word jerk or, or moron or something along those lines. That's the same thing. In those days, it might have been a camel not, uh, cutting you off. Or something like that. And I'm sure that they would use words like that. We need to be careful. These are human beings. They may be unsafe. And that's certainly part of the commandment. We ought not to drive unsafely. And uh, cut people off. And so on. And, and uh, I'm, I get irritated. I'm sure you do too. When you can't see the, the front license plate on the car behind you. Um, but nonetheless, they're human beings. And we need to be careful. And you know you heard certainly advisable if you can to pull over and let them go by, but someone did that the other day, and, and the guy got out and shot him to death. Um, his wife thinks the wife of the man that was murdered thinks that that when he she didn't have a clue why the man stopped and shot him, but she thinks it's because that their windshield wiper fluid was flying over the top of the. The, the, uh, the roof just onto the person's car behind him. She has no other clue as to why the man was angry. But we just, we're just living in an angry world. And uh, anger needs to be managed by God's people. We're not minimalists. It does not just mean the act, but the emotion that leads to the act. And right down the line, unjust wars are forbidden in the Second Commandment, like Russia's. Uh, invasion of the Ukraine, or even our slaughter of, of, of people during World War II that were surrendering. There's a record of us slaughtering Philippines and so on that had surrendered. Uh, we're not guiltless of, of uh, murdering people in, 
in, uh, even in a just war. Um, or injustice of lenient DAs and judges that let murderers go and they commit another murder. Well, the first murder is on the murderer, but the second murder is on the judge and on the DA. Or just deadly risks like boxing, car racing, unsafe driving, dangerous beasts that we might own, or construction sites that are not safe. Weapons that are exposed in our house and someone might grab them that's underage and hurt themselves. Those were dealt with on, on the, the prohibition about not being our neighbor's killer, but our neighbor's keeper. And so we, we look at the precept today. And again, it reminds us of the sanctity of human life. Why did God command us not to murder? Well, because... Man is made in the image of God. And it's a theological, not just a practical reason. The practical reason, obviously, you take someone's life and he no longer can live and enjoy uh, what God has given us in His common grace. But it's a theological reason. Man's made in God's image. Back in Genesis 9, 6, it says uh, that a man who takes another man's life is have his life taken because he was made in the image of God. Again, it's like someone tearing a picture of God. Uh, remember what Jesus said when they said to him, Do, should we give tribute to Caesar? And Jesus said, give me a coin. Whose image is this and whose superscription on the other side? Or it might have been the image and the superscription underneath. They said it's Caesar's picture. Well, the Lord must have been pointing. He must have pointed to others when He said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar." Render to God the things that are God's. We're images and superscriptions of, of the Lord. Even after the fall, we still bear the image of God, though it's tainted, it's fainted. Our brother, our sister, our neighbor is made in the image of God. Even our enemy is made in the image of God. The Bible even said that the, the, the thief was to be precious in the eyes of the person that was having his... his uh, uh, house broken into. It's interesting in Exodus 21, if it's, if it's dark and you can't see and you kill an intruder, then you're not guilty. But if a thief comes in during the day, you're to spare, if you can, his life. And of course, we understand that it's more difficult to unpack that in a day when they can kill you from a distance. But nonetheless, um, we find that even a thief's life was precious because he's made in the image of God. And, and I know somehow we, we can't conceive of that, but it, it's yet still true. We are to love and not hate our brother. Where is Abel thy brother? The emphasis is on thy brother when the Lord asked Cain that question. You're responsible to be his keeper. You're an older brother. And what a challenge it is in our homes that the older siblings especially are to be keepers of the under-siblings. But really, we're to be keepers of each other's souls and bodies. And of course, the ultimate sanctity, the ultimate uh, human life that was precious was our Lord Jesus. And remember, the Apostle said, you murdered the Prince of Life. And Pilate, of course, did not prevent his life from being murdered. Pilate was guilty by inference, as well as the soldiers and the Jews and the Gentiles by actual uh, desire for him 
to be murdered. So we are to be our brother's keeper, not their killer. We are to promote and preserve their life. What did Jesus say? Spiritually, certainly, but included in that was our physical life. I came to give life and life more abundant. What does the Bible say to you and me? Beloved, let us love one another. We are to love one another. and There are so many one another commands in the New Testament. How, do we, how are we our brother's keeper? We rebuke them when they sin. We encourage them. We forgive them when they repent. We, and there are 30 or 31 one another commands in the New Testament. That is how we keep the Sixth Commandment. Again, for every prohibition, there's a corresponding precept. For every precept, there's a corresponding prohibition. And this prohibition, thou shalt not kill, has a corresponding precept, thou shalt promote their life. Thou shalt be your brother's keeper. There's all kinds of verses. Thou shalt love your brother as yourself. And again, we can be like pharisaical. I haven't actually murdered them. But Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've murdered. Just like adultery takes place in the heart. If you look upon a woman or a man to lust, then you commit adultery. So, how do we preserve and promote our neighbor's life? Well, there's many ways. Capital punishment is actually the precept of this. Even though there's killing involved by the state, it is yet being our neighbor's keeper. And again, it's not simply because it's a preventative. That isn't the primary reason for capital punishment, though it's true. It'll put fear in the, in the next person who is tempted to murder. There's a theological reason why we, why we put murderers to death by the state. Because God's honor is at stake. He is the one who gives life. He is the one that takes life. When someone murders, they, say, they stand in the position of God. That I have the power to take your life. I'll take your life when I want to. They, they, they usurp the authority of God. Exodus 21 says, Thou shalt take this, the murderer from mine altar that he may die. And again, we looked at last week, even the owner of a dangerous animal, if that animal has already gored someone to death, or we could apply it any, in many other ways, right? Animals today... Um, Dan and I, when we were going door to door, we encountered many vicious dogs that wanted our, our meat. They wanted us um, badly. And uh, one of them was so mad, wrapped himself around a tree. And uh, I was shaking when I was, when I was passing these animals. One was a large St. Bernard that wasn't on a leash. And uh, it was the last, the last house before we were to pack it in for the day. And, and we had gone to every other door before that. And I remember saying to Dan, it was at the bottom of the driveway, I remember saying, you know, why don't we just put the, the literature in the, in the penny saver box this time? And he said, nope, nope. The Lord stopped the dogs from barking when they left Egypt. We're going up the hill. And I'm right behind you, Phil. And, the, you know, the, the, people, the, the people before us said, you don't want to go to the next house. Because that dog is really mean. 
And it was a St. Bernard, and I didn't know if it was on a chain or not. And as we walked up the hill, I was shaking like a leaf. And I was looking for that leash, and there was no leash. The dog was barking, and you know when a St. Bernard barks, the whole body just trembles. And uh, she stopped barking, and she laid down, and there was no leash. And we walked past her, and I was shaking, still shaking, and went to the front door, and we heard the little girl behind the woman who was answering the door say, I can't believe she didn't go after them. So I knew I had to turn around and go past her again. And you know, that dog stopped barking and laid down as we went past her and, and gave the literature, turned around, went right past her again, and she's still lying down, no bark, and about halfway past her to the road, she stood up and started barking at us. What a coward she was. <laughs> no, what a God we have to stop that dog from being ferocious. But what I'm saying is, that, that uh, if those animals had hurt people before that and hurt people the second time, then that animal is to be put to death. And in the Old Testament, the, the owner was to be put to death. But of course, you have pacifists today that say we, ought, there is no, we should never kill. And again, we have to be tender-hearted because some of them mean have, well, you know, have a good heart about it, but they just are... Just not correct according to Scripture. Uh, there was a man I know that said that, you're telling me that if I'm walking with my wife down the road and a man comes up and he's going to attack my wife, that I'm not to kill him? They said, exactly right. I'm going to let him just attack my wife? Yeah. The Lord says we're to turn the cheek. Well, I'm not going to turn my wife's cheek. I mean... The Bible tells us in Exodus 21 that if a thief is found breaking up and you kill him, that it's not murder. And they even say that there were people that were saying Jesus was a vegetarian. There were some people at, a, at a, an airport in Los Angeles that had these placards that said Jesus is a vegetarian, we ought not to kill. He said, I don't understand that. Doesn't the Bible say in Luke 24 when Jesus met His disciples, children, do you have any meat? And of course, there are people that might go to the Greek and say that means food. But nonetheless, what did Jesus eat on the night that He was betrayed? They ate the Passover. What's the Passover? It's a representation of the Lamb. And Jesus ate fish as well as honey after His resurrection. The Bible teaches a just war. Jesus did not tell the centurions that believed on Him, quit your job and, and take another job. There was no indication when John the Baptist was approached by soldiers, what shall we do? Did he say, quit your work and become a civilian? No, he said, be content with your wages and don't use your weapons to, to uh, brutalize people said nothing about the fact that they were soldiers and soldiers are told to go into a just war. Romans 13 says that the magistrate does not hold his sword in vain and there's nothing else to use a sword for but to kill. But, I, but again, we have to stress just wars, brother and sister. Just wars. Just wars. The Lord declared war on Amalek. 
who had attacked his people in the wilderness, who were unarmed. But the ultimate, the ultimate war, is it not? When the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, he'll come with his mighty angels and destroy his enemies. And the Bible speaks about the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. People will say, well, the God of the Old Testament was a God of war and the God of the New Testament was a God of peace. I dare say that, that it, it's ratcheted up in the New Testament that he's, he casts his enemies into a lake of fire. It's called the second death. You can't read the book of Revelation without bloodshed, without God being a... a, 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 a a mighty man of war. And of course, eating meat today is scriptural. What did the Lord say to Peter when he was in his, in his uh, vision? Rise, Peter. Kill and eat food that is to preserve life. Paul said to his fellow passengers and prisoners on the ship acts 27:34 take meat for this is for your health and of course a major category is pro life versus pro death you and i need to do what we can to pray that that There'll be a legislation of laws that protect the innocent. Thank God for the overturning of Roe versus Wade. But we need to pray for New York State. Would God be pleased to put a governor in place that will protect the unborn? The Lord is able. But we need to do our our part. Do we pray for such protection? Do we protest where we can? We need to have planned childhood centers. They have Planned Parenthood. How, anything but true parenthood. Planned Childhood Centers like Compass Care. We need to encourage large families. You know, we often forget this part of, of the precept of the Sixth Commandment. Do you know we're averaging less than two children per family? It's one thing if we can't, if the, if the parents can't have children or have only, and they're not able to have more than one or two children. But young people are going into marriages saying, I'm, I'm God in my life and I'll determine how many children we have. When the Bible says, and he's not, re, re, he's, he's not taken away that, that mandate, be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. I heard L. Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, say, I will not... I will not perform a wedding. I will not perform a wedding of a marriage purposely not planning a family. Good for him. The Wesleys had 19 children. The Mackenzies in Germany have 10 children. And a brother that we knew that was across the street from Jared's house after the fire, Don, just passed away at 92 years old. His brother, Ed, 15 years younger than he was, had the funeral service. They had 13 children. Our cousins, the Georgieviches, had seven. I just just numbered that the other day. Oh, that the Lord would give us more children in our marriages. But we're finding that young people just are, are more concerned about materialism than about the kingdom of God. 
Self-defense is a, is a precept of the sixth commandment. Could I, could I challenge us that, that hiding our guns, having a gun cabinet is following the precept of the sixth commandment? Could I suggest that the second amendment is following the sixth commandment? Bearing arms. Those are all indicative of protecting your family, protecting your life, self-defense, being our brother's keeper. That man in the Indiana Mall was his brother's keeper. There were dozens of people in the food court at that time. But things that we may not even consider are precepts of the Sixth Commandment. Rising for an old man when he walks by. Saluting a veteran who's, who's uh, served in the wars. Hospitals. Charity organizations. Graveyards that honor the treatment of the dead. Safe houses for persecuted people. The visitation of widows and orphans and seniors and prisoners in their affliction. Jails. Magistrates and judges who follow through to protect life. These are all precepts of the Sixth Commandment. Just kindness. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In Exodus 23.4, it says you're to return your enemy's beast if you find it. You aren't to say good riddance, hope it dies. You find your enemy is in the ditch, help him out to restore goods that have been taken from Him. If you've burned His field, you are to give Him your crops. Even the loss of time of a person, if you injure Him and you don't kill Him, His health is a concern to you and me. The Bible says if, if we do something to injure someone and, and they're out of work for a while, you look at it in Exodus 21, verses 18 and following, we are to support that person until he gets well. Remember, my, my father hired my uncle Gene. He, wasn't, he didn't have a job at the time or he was in between jobs and he hired him to uh, paint our house. And in the back of our house was, was our driveway. Our driveway went from the front and then it opened up in the back and it was very high uh, to the roof in the back. And my, my dad, he did say, Please don't paint the back until I'm home. But you know how sometimes we, we want to hurry through and finish a job. Well, he was he went up on a ladder and it slipped, and he broke both of his legs. And I wasn't there. I don't remember it, but I've, I've been told by my siblings that my father paid for my uncle Gene's hospital bills, and he paid him uh, for the six months that he was out of work. Well, Dad didn't know it, but he was he was showing kindness, and he was. He was exercising the precept of the Sixth Commandment. God is the one who gives life, and I conclude with the most uh, important matter as far as being our brother's keeper. You know, we ought to be a preserver and promoter of our brother's physical life. Try to make things as easy as possible. Remember like the woman with an unsaved husband and 
she 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 was awakened at two in the morning and and uh, she served her husband and his two friends a meal because her husband had said if as he was out drinking with his buddies that if we went home now and I woke up my my wife she'd make us food she'd make us dinner and they said no way no wife's going to do that and he says let's try it and he went home and sure enough. She made dinner for them, and you know the story. I think I said it before that that the friends said to her while they were eating, "Why would you do such a thing? That's that's we're so obnoxious, we're so unkind to wake you up from dead sleep just to make us a meal when we could have done it ourselves." And her answer was, "I'm afraid that my husband is lost and he's going to perish. I want to make his life as as." peaceful and, and, and blessed as possible before he dies. It's like Richard Wormbram's wife, remember, that her parents were killed by the communists and her husband met the man that he, he felt had murdered her parents. And the man was full of guilt and, and Mr. Wormbrand was leading him to the Lord and, and while he was talking to him, dawned upon him that the man was probably the murderer and he said do you know in the next room is the daughter of the parents that you murdered and the man was just grief stricken he said but if I wake her up right now and tell her who you are she'll hug you she'll be burdened for your soul and he woke her up and he he uh, introduced her to this murder of her parents and she wept and she hugged them the man got saved you see love your enemies do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you so we we realize that man hates and takes and abuses life but god gives life think about it christ was killed for us killers He loved us haters. He gave for us takers. Jesus died for sinners. While He was on the cross being murdered, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's the Gospel of Christ's murder that saves our souls. Christ died for our sins. He was murdered. He that hath the Son will have life. Life more abundant. And to you and me who know Christ, He says, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and right into eternity. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forgiveness is an exhibition of the keeping of the Sixth Commandment. Love that covers a multitude of sins. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Can you forgive those who trespass and are indebted to you? You say, well, I can't forgive a certain sin if it's too great. Brother and sister, Christ was murdered for you and me. We've got to remember as we consider our sins against God vertically. How can we, how can we who have been who have been forgiven so great a debt? 
that we could never pay. Turn around and throttle the, the neck of our fellow servant who has sinned against us. Comparatively, though there are great sins that you and I commit against one another or are committed against us, we've got to stay in the shadow of Calvary. We've got to have the heart of Christ to love our neighbor, to be our neighbor's keeper and not our neighbor's killer. We read together how Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Notice what it says first. It doesn't say He was healing, He was teaching, and He was preaching. Did you notice the order? He was preaching, He was healing, or teaching, and He was healing. Not that healing is insignificant, but the stress there is on the soul of the person. If we feed our neighbor, but we don't give him the gospel, is that not, in a sense, that their, their blood will be upon our hands? Jesus was saying to us, be concerned for the eternal life of your neighbor as well as, your temp- as, well as his temporal life. And it says of Jesus, He went about doing good. And He tells us to go and do likewise like the Good Samaritan. Be your brother's keeper. Remember the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Aren't you thankful for the person that shared the Gospel with you? Aren't you thankful for the person that helps you out of the ditch? Or that helps you, someone you can think about that helped in a debt in the, in the past, paid a debt for us, or visited us when we were low? All the people that have done good to you and me, now let us go and do likewise. But could I... I say this in closing about, again, the unborn. We're to defend the defenseless. That's really part of this commandment, defending the defenseless. You look in Proverbs and it says, if you forbear to deliver those that are going to death, and the point is, you know that they're unjustly going to be put to death, and you don't intervene like Pilate didn't intervene. But that applies in many ways. Like that word is used, forbear to, de- to deliver as use of the midwives who refused to abort or to kill those children. They stuck out their, their, their reputation and they risked their own lives to defend the defenseless. Jonathan, who was defending David at his own cost. Obadiah, who saved the 200 plus prophets and fed them. Jezebel had given them the death sentence. Esther, who stuck out her her life to save the Jews, the Good Samaritan. And so you and I, thank God for the physicians that refuse to murder children. What is it? The, the, the oath that they, that they make to become a physician? That their purpose is to give life, to save life, not to take it. And may God save many little ones from the butcher's knife, and may it please Him to save them from God's righteous wrath as they are given the light of day and the gift of life. May God save many, many souls as He promises to save a multitude that no one can number. We are our brother's keeper, not our brother's killer. Amen.